Hello there and welcome to the Uplifted Stepmom three-part workshop series. The Uplifted Stepmom is something that we run every every six months approximately and it's a, a free three-part event that stepmoms have grown to love and look forward to and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. There's lots of healing, lots of growth, lots of transformation that happens throughout the Uplifted Stepmom series. Now, the only way to get the full experience of the Uplifted Stepmom series is, of course, to register and grab the workbook and show up at the live videos and make friends inside of our community. And I also realize that sometimes that's just not accessible for people, right? Life is busy got so many things going on it's hard to set aside an hour three times to sit and watch a video to sit and watch a live stream video and sit and receive and sit and be taught so I have decided to release the uplifted stepmom series on audio only on the podcast for a limited time so if you can binge this now I would recommend binging this now. It will not be left up for very long. Um, It will not be left up forever. So please take advantage of it while you can. Over the course of this workshop series, I'm going to be showing you the exact tools, the exact steps to take, the exact mindset shifts to make so that you can create more fulfillment in your personal life more connection in your step family relationships more peace less stress all these things that we want as stepmoms they could be yours at the end of this three what's it called trilogy the the uplifted stepmom trilogy i'm gonna have to switch up i'm gonna have to switch up my naming So please, I do hope you enjoy. Um, Please also make sure to listen to these in order. Workshop one, followed by workshop two, followed by workshop three, as the content does build on each other. And you will not get the same experience if you pick and choose which ones you would like to listen to based on the titles. So so hashtag that's me. So please do go back and start at number one and work your way through. And I hope you enjoy. I hope that it is extremely powerful and transformative and life-changing for you. Good to go that you're here. (gasps) April Rose. Hello, April Rose, my dearest. Hello, Rebecca. Rebecca Jane. Welcome, 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 welcome. Perfect. Okay. Y'all can hear me. Let me know. Katie is live. Welcome live. Hello, Danielle. Sarah Gale. Good evening. Good to see you. Hi, everyone. Okay, perfect. Hey, Kathleen. How are you? How's everyone doing tonight? How's everybody feeling? Okay, we got we got the squad here. Everyone's excited. How are we doing? What are we excited for? If you're here live, let me know that you're here, where you're tuning in from, what you're excited about. If you're catching the replay also, let me know if you are catching the replay. Um, yeah, so we're in part three, part three of three. We're going to still have some more fun festivities next week, like our contest that we've got going on. I'll pop in 
a little bit next week and a lot bit next week and chat with you. But tonight is the final. Tonight's the finale. Okay, I hope you got your popcorn, got your journals, got your notebooks. So, hello, Jennifer. I also want to go to Mexico for work. A little, uh, a little aside before we get into this, these goodies tonight. I have a pipe dream to move to Mexico, mostly because it's snowing right now. <laughs> As we speak, it's snowing right now. So I have a pipe dream to move to Mexico. And uh, yeah, I don't know if it's going to happen, but I have a 489-day streak on Duolingo learning Spanish. So I mean, put the wheels in motion, right? Okay, so let's hop into it. Who's ready? What are you excited for? Let me know in the chat. What are you excited for? What did you take away from days one and two? Um, any big breakthroughs? Any big takeaways? Anything you're still thinking about? Anything you're excited to learn about? So just go go right ahead and, and share that in the chat. And I mean, I know I don't have to invite you to do this because you do such a great job of it already, but make sure that you're cheering each other on and supporting each other because we're the best. Stepmoms are the coolest. Okay. So in part one, just a quick little recap. In part one, you answered 12 questions to determine whether self-awareness work is this missing component for you in your blending process. And then for those of you who determined that yes, the development of self-awareness is in fact directly related to how connected your set family relationships are, how much peace, how much happiness, how much personal fulfillment that you've got, you would go on to part two. Then you went on to part two, right? Part two, you kind of started to peel the onion. I consider self-awareness work to be like the peeling of an onion, right? You just have a layer after layer after layer to peel away. So part two, you started to peel this onion. You started to get really crystal clear on where exactly is this suffering from your step family rooted, right? So we used the time energy matrix. You began to identify the areas in your step family where you currently are out of alignment with who you really are and what you really want. So that you can begin to investigate not how to close the gap, but why the gap exists in the first place, right? The quality of your life depends on the quality of questions that you ask. So don't ask, how do I close the gap? Ask, why does this gap exist in the first place? And where else does this, where else are these same contributing factors rooting their little dandelions into my life? And so now in part three, the finale, the series finale, I'm going to share with you my signature method, the steps method. There are probably folks in here right now who have been through the steps with me. Um, the intention of the steps, the intention of introducing you to the steps is so that you can get deeper into the root cause of the why and begin to close those gaps from the inside out as your self-awareness develops, as your self-awareness blossoms. Because the more self-awareness you have, the more authentic, fulfilled, happy, and peaceful you're going to feel. And the more connected your step family relationships are going to end up being. Okay. So today you're going to put all the pieces together. 
you're going to get a complete blueprint for creating this peace, this happiness, this connection, this authenticity, this fulfillment, because that's why you're here, right? These are the things that you want. This is why we're here. Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So the final piece of the puzzle in this series is to for you to start to uncover these drivers behind your thoughts. What is what is creating this thought for you? What is creating this feeling for you? What is creating these behaviors for you? So that you can know why does your suffering exist and ultimately be able to make the changes necessary to create long lasting changes in your step family. Okay. So if you've already made time to read through the case studies from some of our sisters inside the stepmom story, all of those are the result of the steps. Okay. So when people are like, I want what she's got. If you're like, I want what she's got, she's got it because they, because she did the steps. And every single person, every single person who has applied themselves to self-awareness work, who has embodied these steps that you're about to learn here tonight, has been able to rewrite pieces or whole parts of their stepmom stories. Each of the women in those case studies made a decision. They made a commitment to do things differently because they realized, okay, the way I'm doing things is not working. The way I'm doing things brought me to the uplifted series in the first place. So I'm going to try something different, right? White flag. I don't know what to do anymore. And each of them had their own unique circumstance that they could have used as an excuse not to do the work. Every single one of them could have said they didn't have the time. They didn't have the money. They didn't have the energy, which is super ironic if we think back to workshop number two, right? Because if someone says, I don't have the time or I don't have the energy or I don't have the money, it's because of these root cause issues that get dug out with the steps like we realized in workshop two, yeah? It's literally like saying, I can't go to school because I don't know how to read yet. Or I can't go to the gym because I don't know how to lift weights yet. So rather than make the mistake of trying to like white knuckle through and do things on their own, each of these women chose to do things differently. And now their relationships and their mental health and their lives have changed. So it's time to pay attention now. If you haven't been, I know you have been. I know you have been because you're here. I'm about to show you this process, the process that has helped to support these transformations that you have read about in the case studies. So this is the system that I've created after eight years of being a stepmom, working with stepmoms for the last four. This is the system I teach inside the stepmom story. And this is it, okay? This is going to teach you how to turn even the most uncomfortable step family situations into an opportunity to grow, into an opportunity to rise above, okay? So this is the how, right? Some of you in the group are starting to post and be like, okay, how do I do this? What's the next step? How do I do this? What are the steps? Tell me the steps and I'll do it. (laughs) So before we, you know, I just want to quickly pause there and offer some snaps to you. Um, I really, really sincerely want to acknowledge you for being here right now. We had almost a thousand women sign up and enroll in this workshop series. And if you take a look around, there's not a thousand stepmoms participating. 
So a thousand stepmoms said, yes, I need help blending my step family. Yes, I don't know what I'm doing. Yes, please help me. And you are the few who are actually walking the talk. Right? If you are actually watching this right now, if you're actually listening to the words coming out of my mouth right now, you are in a very small minority of people who is actually willing to show up for themselves, which is sad, right? That makes me sad for these other people. And also it makes me very proud of you because we know happily ever after doesn't happen just by chance. Happily ever after happens because people like you make brave decisions and continue to make brave decisions to lean into the uncomfortable, vulnerable places instead of running away from them or waiting for everybody else to waiting for everybody else to lean into those uncomfortable places so they don't have to. Happily ever after develops when you develop self-awareness. Happily ever after is not a destination. It is not somewhere that you arrive. It is a verb. It's a verb. It's an action word. Happily ever after is an action that you take time and time and time and time and time again. So you, because you're sitting here making the time to listen to this, even with all the other gazillion things that you've got on your plate, that says to me that you are the type of person who is committed to making choices that support you and your future. It says to me that you are one of the few who actually can make it because your determination is stronger than your excuses. Because you acknowledge that possibility is more important to you than your problems are. You are choosing possibility over problems. And I acknowledge you for that. I recognize you for that. I celebrate you for that. I want you to clap for yourself because of that. This is amazing. You are in a very small minority of people, my friend. This piece that every stepmom says that she wants, every stepmom, every single stepmom I have ever met has said to me, I want peace. And peace is in the steps. Peace is in the steps. So I didn't start out by giving you the steps because the steps is only meant for a specific type of person. This work is only meant for a specific type of person. Okay. So congratulations. You made it through the filter, right? You've qualified yourself as a candidate. (laughs) Congratulations, right? Congratulations for being one of the committed ones who's stuck around. So I'm proud of you. And I want you to start thinking of the steps as like a new practice of yours, okay? The more that you practice, the more second nature it's going to become. The more you're going to start to like catch these things way earlier. It's like playing the piano. It's no different than playing the piano or swimming or learning a new language like me and Duolingo, right? At first it's clunky. It's awkward. It feels uncomfortable. But each day you practice, even for five minutes, maybe you bungle it up. Then you go back to your teacher, go back to your community, learn a little bit from the imperfections, learn a little bit from the mistakes, from the whoopsies, and practice makes progress, right? So give yourself a gift as we move through, right? There's a lot of complexity here. There's a lot of complexity in the steps, and I've done my very best to try and make it as simple as possible to explain. And I want you to give yourself the gift 
to of releasing yourself from any unrealistic expectation that you have that you're going to know how to do this perfectly by the end of this workshop. This is going to take practice. Okay. Like if you went on three hikes your entire life, you probably wouldn't try to summit Everest, right? This is a lot of prep work. There is a lot of prep work that goes into becoming masterful at something. And this is that prep work. The first two workshops have prepped you for this work, right? So this is, you know, one of the biggest reasons that I've made the Stepmom Story program a program that lasts for life. Like once you're in the program, you are in for life. Because like I said, it's like an onion. You get in there and you practice it and then new things come up and then you change and you develop and you grow and then you have different problems, different level, different devil, right? Like I said, happily ever after is not a destination. Life is always going to change. Circumstances are always going to change. So that's why I don't give advice in the traditional sense of giving advice, if you asked me like, okay, Brittany, can you please help me come up with a solution for pickups and drop-offs? I wouldn't tell you what to do. I'd help you figure out what you want to do for yourself, but I wouldn't tell you what to do because what I think you should do is what I would do in that situation, not what's right for you in your life. And if I say here, this is how to fix the problem, then you haven't developed any capacity to try and figure these things out on your own. And that's the point of this. That's the point of the steps. That's the point of this framework is to empower you to know how to solve your problems in your mind, right? So for me to work myself out of a job would be the best thing ever. So you've probably heard the saying, right? If you give a man a fish, he'll eat for a day. If you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for his whole life. This entire workshop series, but especially the steps, they teach you how to fish. They teach you not what to do when you have problems, but how to think about your problems in a way that you can create a long-term lasting solution from that. And you can apply the steps to any and every single problem that ever pops up in your step family. From right here, right now, to 20 or 30 years in the future. That's pretty cool, if you ask me. Like, I know I'm biased. <laughs> I know I'm biased, but that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool that you can apply this to like kindergarten graduation and getting married. These steps are universal. So without further ado, let's get into the steps. If you've got your workbooks, you can get your workbooks out. If you're using your journal, you can get your journal out. And I'll quickly tell you what each of the steps are. And then I'll break it down and explain what specifically is involved in each of these sections. Okay. So the, the steps are S-T-E-P-S, five pillars. Okay. And they stand for, if y'all are ready, let me know in the chat. Ready, got your stuff. I'm good to go. Let Hit me with the steps. Tell me in the chat. Okay. Awesome. So the steps stand for S for stories, T for thought management, E for emotional freedom, P 
for presence, not the gift kind. And last but not least is step family strategies. Okay, so I'll run through that super quick again for you. Stories, thought management, emotional freedom, presence, and step family strategies. Okay, so we'll get into the first S. Here's the first section, the S, stories. As a stepmom, you already know that you are destined to run into some sort of unforeseen step family circumstance that you have no idea how to navigate. But the main difference that I've noticed between stepmoms who struggle versus stepmoms who live in harmony with their step families actually very rarely has anything to do with the specifics of the problem. So in other words, the stepmoms who struggle the most are not necessarily the ones who have the biggest, most complex step family dynamics. Like for example, I've known a stepmom who's been almost completely unfazed by an ex who came after them for a child support adjustment of double <laughs> what they were already paying. And Another stepmom who went and stayed with her mom for a week because her stepson left a jug of milk on the counter and the milk went rotten. So both reactions, right? Both sets of feelings, totally valid, totally okay. It's totally okay to not be phased by your partner's ex wanting twice as much money every month. And it's totally okay to be so triggered by rotting milk on the counter that you go stay with your mom. They're both okay. This is just an example to show that our reactions, our reactions, our thoughts, our behaviors, they always have a deeper rooted cause than what we notice on the surface. There's always more to the story than what we see at the symptom level, right? So what's the main difference between the stepmom who struggles and the stepmom who's the harmonious, happy stepmom? If it's not the actual step family problems themselves that dictate how you feel, what is it? The foundational principle that your stepmom story is built on is the fact that every single person on this planet creates stories in their minds about their life, about the people in their life, and about their circumstances. This is universal, okay? The human brain is wired to think in terms of stories. The human brain is able to create mental stories to help you understand what is going on in the world around you. So basically, every single second, your brain is taking in all kinds of information from around you. If you think of your brain like a computer, okay, your senses, your smell, your taste, your touch, your sight, your sound, your intuition, your senses feed data to your brain. Then your brain processes that data and then your mind comes up with a story to explain to you what's happening so you know what's going on, okay? You are perceiving this, says the story. But I want you to think of that scene in The Little Mermaid when Ariel swims up to the surface with the fork and she asks Scuttle the seagull, what is this? 
And does anyone remember what Scuttle tells Ariel the fork is called? That's a dinglehopper, right? Oh, yeah, that's a dinglehopper. <laughs> so your eyes and my eyes and Ariel the mermaid's eyes all take in the same sensory information. We all take in the same sensory information about what the fork looks like, what it feels like, what it sounds like if we clink it on a glass, all that kind of stuff. But our story is that it's called a fork. Scuttle and Ariel's story is that it's called Dinglehopper. Same sensory information, same external data, hard fact data, different story about what it is, okay? Now, stories can be great. Stories are awesome. Without stories, we wouldn't be able to do cool stuff like invent rocket ships or write novels or celebrate birthdays or write music or exchange wedding vows. Our stories can and our stories every single day do enrich our lives. Okay? Our stories make our lives great and and full and rich and beautiful. And also... The problem with stories is that most people have never learned that they actually have a big influence over the stories they tell themselves. Now, what if I told you that if you really, truly, authentically want to live in harmony with your stepfamily, your ability to do so is going to depend in large part on whether you choose to develop the self-awareness to decide, is this thing a fork or is it a dingo hopper? Because when you change your story, you change your life. So in other words, in a relevant non-fork dinglehopper example, if your spouse's ex-partner wants to take you back to court for double the child support, you can choose the fork story. She's a selfish, spiteful, no good, low down, dirty, rotten scoundrel. Or you can choose the Dinglehopper story that, okay, we're going to have to pay more. This actually gives me the motivation I've been maybe lacking to look for a better job at a better company that actually pays me more, pays me what I'm worth or ask for a raise from my current company because I know I'm getting paid less than what I deserve, for example, right? Same circumstance, different story, ultimately different outcome. So that's why inside your stepmom story, I help you identify when you're telling yourself stories that are keeping you sad and mad and feeling hopeless and feeling stuck And I help you to see things from an entirely different perspective so that you can start to tell yourself stories that open you up to expansion and aligned intention rather than resignation that life is shit, right? So try to find me, really try to find me, like go out canvassing. Find me one happy stepmom who's authentically connected in her relationships, who's got inner peace, who's super duper happy, who walks around all day drowning in negative, heavy 
things going on in her life. You probably won't find her, right? If you find somebody who's like glowing with joy, you're like, oh, what's the secret to your joy? And she's like, well, my husband's ex is terrible. (laughs) The kids have been brainwashed. My spouse is a spineless wimp. Like the glowing joy person is not the person telling those stories, right? So continuing to tell yourself stories like the ex is out to get you or the kids don't respect you or the kids don't welcome you or your spouse never stands up for you. Even if those stories feel really, 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 really true and you have a ton of evidence to prove to yourself how true they are. The fact of the matter is you will never get to happily ever after if you are staring down the barrel of a gun. If you really, truly, authentically want loving and intimate and compassionate step family relationships and a life that feels aligned and fulfilling to you, then you're going to have to figure out how to talk to yourself to make that happen. We all tell ourselves stories all day long from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep and then in our dreams, right? We tell ourselves story after story after story after story after story. And you are the one creating the story. So if you're going to be creating stories to tell yourself Why not tell yourself a story that has a happy ending? And that's why modules one and two and three inside the stepmom story have been created to help you do that. They'll help you become a lot more aware of these negative stories that you're telling yourself. So you can discover how might you be sabotaging your happiness without being even consciously aware of it. You're going to get super specific on what exactly you want your life to look like so you can direct your time and your energy and your money toward making your dreams and your happiness a reality. You'll begin to explore what are the origins of this story, of these stories, right? Like for example, how the way that you are raised as a kid is affecting your relationship with your spouse or your stepkids or their other parent. How the way that you are raised as a kid is subconsciously creating conflict between you and the people in your step family because you have a story that you inherited about the right and the wrong way to parent. Like I can't even begin to tell you how much happening or how much heal healing has happened in our community with the discovery and uncovering of some of these stories that we've carried around with us since birth. I can't begin to tell you how much these old stories subconsciously and unconsciously shape your relationships in adulthood. And don't you deserve, don't you deserve to like at the very least become aware of what these stories are that inform your day-to-day life? So you can at least consciously choose if that story is still useful for you today. If that story is still useful for the type of life that you want to create. If you change your story, you will change your life. Now, on to T for thought management, okay? 
This is a golden nugget. So get ready for this one. Your peace, your peace, your inner peace is built and destroyed by your thoughts. Your peace is built and destroyed by your thoughts. So think about this, pun intended. If you bring to mind a circumstance in your step family that's been really crappy, you can let me know in the chat if something comes to mind for you, something that really straight up sucks in your step family. So for me, this thing that used to happen that drove me absolutely mad was that back in the day when my stepson was seven years old, he didn't have a bloody bedtime. And I don't know about you, but for me, this made me absolutely furious, like furious, shaking, furious, mad. And it's not like he'd fall asleep by like eight or nine. Like this guy was up till midnight at seven years old and I was livid about it. I was livid first and foremost that he didn't have a bedtime because I considered it to be just like straight up shit parenting. (laughs) I was livid also that he was cutting into my quality time with my husband. I was livid that when he did go to bed, his bedtime ritual still took God knows how long. And a lot of the time, because it was so freaking late, my husband would fall asleep in his room and not end up coming to bed. So I'd lay alone in our bedroom, stewing, sweating and stewing. That does not sound peaceful, right? Like that is not the the picture of peace. But something I've come to realize is that there's this initial annoyance of the circumstance, right? There's the initial like, oh, it's 1130 and this child still isn't in bed and he's cutting into my time with my husband and I'm done parenting. Like it's 11 effing 30. I'm done parenting for the day. And then in on top of that annoyance, here come the peace destroyers, right? Like the Miley Cyrus wrecking ball. I came in like a wrecking ball. That song always comes in my head when I think about thoughts because thoughts are peace destroyers. Wrecking balls, whammo, whammo, whammo. These thoughts come in, they, they, they say what shit parenting his mom is doing, right? These thoughts that come in, that's like, well, she's a stay-at-home mom. She's only got one kid and she can't even figure out how to get her kid on a normal sleep schedule, right? Wrecking ball. <laughs> and the thoughts about the one, two, three, four, five, six, however many mental tally number I'm at, of how many nights in a row that my husband has betrayed me by choosing his son over me. Wrecking ball. And the thoughts about how it's not fair that my spouse won't let me have kids of my own, right? This was a big bone of contention with with us for a long time. My husband wouldn't let me have kids. Not happening. And I have all these thoughts, the wrecking ball thoughts. Here I am doing all this parenting stuff and making all these stupid parenting sacrifices and you won't even let me have kids of my own. Wrecking ball. So who knows? Who knows what the thought rabbit hole is like where something crappy happens and then before you know it, you've like searched the mental archives and you've brought up every single memory from the past and then you've gone ahead and thought of every single worst case scenario for the future 
And instead of being upset for a few minutes, now your whole damn day is ruined because you can't turn these damn wrecking ball thoughts off and you get snippy with your spouse and you pick a fight and you go into work in a tizzy, in a sourpuss mood. And you know, you drink the last cup of coffee at work and you don't fill the coffee pot back up because screw everybody and screw everything. So I just want to point your attention towards something, okay? When you bring your crappy thing to mind, your crappy circumstance or your crappy situation, whatever it was that you remembered when I asked you to pick a memory, I want you to estimate, and you can put the number in the chat if you want to, but I want you to estimate how much of your suffering came from the event itself how much of your suffering came from this like shit circumstance and how much of your suffering is coming from the thoughts that you are replaying in your head, remembering it over and over, reaching for other wrecking ball thoughts. How much of your suffering is coming from trying to predict the future, trying to imagine all these possible permutations and combinations of scenarios that could possibly play out. How much of your suffering is coming from like connecting all these dots and seeing how all these scenarios play together? You see? Like there's the crappy thing and then there's the wrecking ball. These wrecking ball of thoughts that multiply, that birthed and are multiplied as a result of the crappy thing. So that's why the second phase of steps helps you develop a different relationship with the thoughts that circulate around in your head every moment of every day. Now, please don't confuse this with positive thinking. Positive thinking is a farce, okay? I'm not saying you should just think positive and poof, all your step-family problems will disappear, okay? If it was that easy, two out of three step-family couples wouldn't separate. But I am curious, how many times... Has it actually helped you to ruminate on something bad that's happened? So in other words, for the number of hours that you have spent thinking about these crappy situations over and over and over again, how much positive change has been created in your life as a result of all that time and energy that you've spent thinking about it? of all the time that you've spent in your head trying to figure it out. How much figuring out have you actually done? Never. It never helps, right? So if you're like most stepmoms who haven't learned thought management, if you're anything like I used to be back in the day, it then it's very likely that you're probably thinking about your stepfamily problems on repeat. Maybe talking about them over and over and over again. Maybe poking around in those nasty old free Facebook groups where everyone's super negative. And then thinking even more about all the ways that your situation has, is just as bad or worse than theirs. Maybe you've tried to think of all the possibilities that could possibly have in, that there could possibly happen in the future, and you're literally making yourself sick. Because from all that stinking thinking, 
your well-being takes a hit, doesn't it? Like, I don't know about you, but after I go on like a stinking thinking marathon, I usually feel like absolute garbage after. My mental wellness can spiral like that. My emotional wellness gets a little topsy-durvy. My physical health, right? Like heart palpitations and anxiety and high blood pressure. And how many studies have been done on how bad stress is for your physical body? How many years it takes off your life? My relational health suffers when I get into stinking thinking because I've been known in my day, believe it or not, (laughs) I know I don't seem like the type, but believe it or not, I've been known to pick a fight or two with my husband when I get into these places, right? And when I think about it, the irony is like, Brittany, you're the one creating most of this in your bloody head. Like you're literally making yourself sick with things that you're making up in your head. (laughs) Just imagine, right? Just imagine how much peace you will be able to create in your life when you have the self-awareness to recognize when you are thinking yourself into a dark, unhelpful, yucky place. Trying to create inner peace and happiness when your thoughts are spilling into bad memories and worst case predictions of the future It's like trying to fill up a leaky bucket and then wondering where all your water's going. In order to fill the bucket, you got to fix the holes. And to be able to fix the holes, you've got to be able to see them. You have to be able to know where these holes are. In order to be able to manage your thoughts, you have to be able to recognize I'm having a wrecking ball thought. And once you do, right? Once you do, Imagine how much more time, how much more energy you'll get back when you do have the awareness, when you do have the ability to redirect your thoughts toward actual solutions rather than continuing to pour into the problem. And Jade, I see you asking, what if it really does happen? What if it doesn't? And is thinking about it until it happens going to change how it feels when it happens? Like, what is the benefit of continuing to think about it? And what becomes possible, not just for you, Jade, but what becomes possible for everybody when this time and this energy that you spend thinking about things that make you feel like literal shit, what happens? What becomes possible for you when that time and energy gets directed toward thinking thoughts that actually support the creation of a life that you want to live. When your thoughts get directed toward cultivating connection in your relationship, when your thoughts get directed toward improving your health, improving your well-being, living out your purpose, reconnecting with your friends, Most of you probably realized a bit of a discrepancy in workshop too, right? How much time and energy that you're spending in certain specific areas versus others. And one place that unhappy stepmoms basically hemorrhage time and energy is in their thoughts. So here's what to do when it comes to learning how to manage your thoughts. And again, this is a practice, right? This is a practice. This is not going to happen overnight. You are not going to be like done with wrecking ball thoughts at the end of this workshop. Okay. 
But here is what you can do to learn how to start managing your thoughts. First, you have to simply become aware that these thoughts exist in your mind. This is a wrecking ball thought. And once you have this awareness, once you notice these little wrecking balls are zipping around in your psyche, you decide, is this thought helping you or is this thought hurting you? Is this thought taking you closer to the peaceful, happy life that you want? Or is this thought taking you further away from the peaceful, happy life that you want? That is in its simplest form. That is the essence of learning how to have a different relationship with your thoughts. And inside the stepmom story, you work on this in chapter four, when we take a deep dive into your values. So you can recognize how your values influence the way that you think and how you resultantly feel about certain situations, which of your values are being threatened and what are the thoughts that stem from that instantly because of your value system, right? Part of who you are at the core of your being. Your values drive the bus, right? Like whether you're conscious of it or not, your values drive the bus. Your values are driving your thoughts. You'll also get to know your thoughts and your thought processes really intensively in chapter seven, where you learn what is the single most impactful thing that you can do to take your power back from anyone in your step family who has stolen it. And then in chapter eight, you take a really good look at the sorts of things that trigger you and all the ways that those triggers influence your thought patterns. And probably best of all, you learn what to do when you are triggered so you can work through it without ending up in a thought kamikaze. Now, the next pillar in the steps is E for emotional freedom. <clears throat> One of my favorite, favorite, favorite quotes of all time is by the Holocaust survivor, Dr. Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And he says, when we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. When we're no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. So this third piece in the steps is emotional freedom. And it probably doesn't mean what you'd expect it to mean. What most people do is they say, I don't want to feel anything to the left of happy. And they think that the goal is to create a life where nothing can happen to you that might create feelings to the left of happy. Like frustration or sadness or anger or fear or worry or whatever. But emotional freedom isn't this thing that you get when nothing ever goes wrong in your life ever again. The goal of self-awareness work, the goal of the steps, and especially the goal of emotional freedom is first and foremost to help you attune to the language of the body. And secondly, to help you create some space and acceptance for the entire range of your emotional human experience. Not just the good feelings, the whole gamut. So what do I mean by that? What do I mean by help you attune to the language of your body? 
Do you know, does anyone know, and this is not a pop quiz, I'm not handing out gold stars, but does anyone know what your emotions are actually are? Do you know what your emotions are? Where they come from? What they're caused from? What are they? Why do they show up in your body? Why do you feel certain ways? What are your emotions? If you think back to the Dinglehopper explanation about where our stories come from, your senses, right? They take in sensory data. That data gets fed to your brain. Your brain interprets the data. Then your mind tells you a story about what you just observed. And there's another process that happens alongside this where your brain goes ahead and dumps boatloads of chemicals called neurotransmitters into your body. So basically, when you feel embarrassed or you feel resentful or you feel sad or you feel happy or you feel excited or you feel anxious, it's because your brain has dumped chemicals, naturally occurring chemicals, into your body that end up creating certain feelings in you. Like everybody here knows what it feels like to have an adrenaline rush, right? To get an adrenaline rush from something. Adrenaline, for example, is one of those chemicals that naturally occurs in your body. And we might describe this emotion related to the adrenaline rush as being excited or being nervous or being afraid depending on the rest of the sensory information that's received and any other chemicals that your brain releases at the same time. But we don't need to make it complicated, okay? So if this adrenaline rush was coming from something like how I used to get an adrenaline rush when my stepson's mom would show up to pick him up, what emotional freedom helps you do is helps you notice, okay, I'm having this sensation in my body. It feels like anxiety, And then attuning to the language of the body and asking, why specifically is this situation triggering this response in my body? What is your body trying to tell you? Okay, self-awareness. It's not just dumping you full of adrenaline for no reason. It's trying to tell you something, right? Your body is trying to communicate with you. Emotions are how your body communicates with you. This is self-awareness. Now, when you combine this, getting to know this language of your body, when you combine this with the second part, which is creating space for the entirety of your emotional experience as a human, that might look like, for example, acknowledging, okay, I feel anxiety in my body, and then accepting that anxiety can sometimes and often is a very natural and a very normal feeling to have. Uncomfortable, yes. But does it happen to everybody? Also, yes. So rather than asking the question, right? The quality of your life depends on the quality of questions that you ask. Rather than asking the question, how can you change that feeling as quickly as possible? Or how can you avoid that feeling so you never have to experience it? Or how do you numb that feeling out as quickly as possible? This pillar of emotional freedom helps you figure out how to accept that this anxiety is present in your life right now in this moment and also that it will pass. 
So in my adrenaline example, okay, you might notice like, okay, this emotion feels like anxiety. Why are you having anxiety? Because the ex is showing up to pick up the kids and it doesn't feel comfortable or safe to have them in your home. So the next step might be to explore some new boundaries that feel better to you or to unpack what specifically is causing you to feel uncomfortable. If there's never been anything that's happened between you two, what specifically is causing you to feel uncomfortable? Is there a conversation that might need to be had with your spouse about the way pickups and drop-offs are done? And then the second part, at the same time as hearing that your body is saying, we feel anxious, is also recognizing that everybody feels anxious sometimes and it's okay to feel it. It's okay to feel anxiety sometimes. So emotional freedom is really hugely beneficial for reasons like boundary setting, where you learn to listen to what your body is saying in order to create boundaries around your physical and your mental and your emotional and your relational wellness that protect those things. And emotional freedom is also hugely beneficial for increasing something called distress tolerance. Distress tolerance is where you essentially realize you can be present to and survive uncomfortable emotions. And by becoming more comfortable with being uncomfortable, you will be less likely to engage in acting out behaviors. Okay? So what do I mean by acting out behaviors? I want everyone to try and bring to mind, share in the chat, share it in the chat if something comes up for you. But I want you to think of something. What is a way that you act out when you get into uncomfortable emotions? So what that means is like when you get into anger, do you yell? When you get into anxiety, do you reach for drugs or alcohol, mommy wine culture to take the edge off? When you get into resentment, do you act passively, aggressively and like damage the connection that you have with your stepkids? So when you have a feeling that's triggered, what is your acting out behavior? And we don't need to get embarrassed. We don't need to get into shame here. We don't need to make them mean anything. It doesn't mean anything about you, right or wrong, good or bad. doesn't mean anything like that. Every single person has a pattern where they act out in certain emotional states. But I want you to imagine for a minute that when you get angry or when you get frustrated or when you get resentful or anxious, that you're able to be with that feeling long enough before you react that you no longer pick fights with your spouse or stomp off in a blaze of fury or say things you don't mean or put the people that you love on silent treatment and damage your connection. What does it look like when the problem just gets to stop at the problem? And then you get to work on the problem instead of also now having to work out the problems caused by the acting out. And which type of stepmom is more likely to create this peaceful, happy, fulfilling life with connected, authentic stepfamily relationships? Instance A, where you're out of touch with your emotions, you're quick to react, you're quick to do things you regret, 
You're quick to damage your connection with the people that you love. And to top it all off, you feel powerless to make any changes because you're not really sure what those changes even are supposed to be because you haven't learned to listen to what your body's saying to you. Or instance B, where you're in tune with your emotions, you're able to observe what's happening internally. You're able to make decisions accordingly, decisions that are congruent with your emotional response that you're having. And then once that passes, once that heightened emotional state passes, looking at the problem as an opportunity to grow as a person, an opportunity to grow as a couple, an opportunity to work on your connection and your communication as a couple, to grow as a family, to grow as a step family, to create safety for the step kid, for your step kids. Because less emotional volatility means more modeled safety for the members of your step family. And eventually, everyone develops trust. And trust is non-negotiable for intimacy and authentic communication. No brainer, right? When you're no longer able to change a situation, you're challenged to change yourself. So to develop emotional freedom, there's a few fundamental practices that can help with that. Any type of embodiment practice, like yoga or dance even, where you are tuned into your inner landscape while you're moving. Any and all types of mindfulness practices like meditation, progressive muscle relaxation, EFT tapping, breath work, etc. And most importantly, you need a willingness to get to know your emotional body and accept and love your emotional body and show compassion, self-compassion to your emotional body. And one of the coolest parts about this is that when you develop deeper and deeper levels of emotional awareness, you begin to see other people and their struggles in a much softer, more gentle, more connected perspective. When you learn to hold your own emotional body with love and care and compassion, it makes it so much easier to hold someone else's emotional body with love and care and compassion. And that's why in your stepmom story, we focus on developing emotional freedom in a whole multitude of ways. Specifically, chapter eight, we take a deep dive into your triggers so that you can start to understand like what's the root cause of your emotional upset. And in addition to that core content, Every month inside the stepmom story, every single month for life, either I offer some sort of a training, some sort of a live training, or I invite a guest in and the guest will come in and offer a training. And usually that training is intended to support or nourish the emotional body. So for example, we've had guests come in and do yoga nidra and yin yoga We've had a guest offer some really, really, really powerful breath work for us. We've had a guest help us understand how our menstrual cycles influence the way that we feel and how we connect with other people throughout different phases in the month. We've had a Reiki healer come in, 
right? We've had a therapist come in who specializes in anxiety. She's taught us how to befriend our anxiety. And since the Set Mom Stories a Lifetime program, and since the needs of the group are always changing, the types of guest experts that I bring in to our group to offer these trainings also is always changing and evolving. And I'm always open to suggestions. And I'm always keen to bring in the type of support that the group is looking for that best nurtures and nourishes and helps and supports them. So I think it's really great, you know, that our group has this influence over the type of support that's received. Now, the P. Yeah, that inner child one was like mind-blowing. I remember that was the one that clicked it for you, hey, Sarah? Now, the P in steps stands for presence, not the gifts. P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E, presence. A really big mistake that struggling stepmoms are making is living life with one foot in the past and one foot in the future. So what do I mean by that? How many of you, you type me in the chat if you know what I'm talking about, how many of you feel like all you do is remember the bad things that have happened in your step family in the past and worry about all the bad things that could happen in the future? If you had to guess, if you had to estimate, how much of your time do you think that you spend remembering the past and trying to predict the future? Give me a percentage. And I get this, right? I totally get this, by the way. When we have all this unresolved pain from the past, you want to make sure it doesn't happen again in the future. So it's only natural to worry about how it might show up again or worry about different variations of pain that might show up in the future under various circumstances. And let me ask you this. How does it feel to exist in your body when you replay this past, when you worry about the future? Usually doesn't feel too awesome, right? So this pillar of the steps, this presence pillar, invites you to start to make some small changes that really add up to enhancing your peace and your connection in big, 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 big ways. Being present literally means that you bring your thoughts and your attention out of the past, out of the future, and you invite yourself to experience life right here, right now, as it is in front of you. Now, why would somebody want to practice bringing their attention into the present moment? How might that benefit you as a stepmom? Being able to leave the past in the past, being able to stop stressing about the future or reduce the time even a little bit. So much research has been done on presence practices. And research has shown the more present that somebody is, the less likely they are to experience symptoms of depression or anxiety and the better their relationships are likely to be. 
And I just want you to bring to mind, you know, we've probably all had this happen to us as frustrating as it is. We've probably all had this happen to us where we have been trying to connect with somebody that we love or that we care about. We're trying to tell a story or share an experience or have a conversation. And then right in the middle of that bid for connection, the person whips out their phone, right? Like who's that happened to? And how does it feel? How does it feel when somebody you're trying to talk to puts their phone in front of their face in the middle of your conversation? It feels like you don't matter. It feels like your connection is not a priority to them. Yeah, it feels sad. Feels like whatever's happening on the other side of that screen is more important than you. Yeah, it's heartbreaking. Now, I want you to imagine that every time your mind slips away into the past or drifts off into worrying about the future, that you are putting a metaphorical cell phone in front of your face between you and you. The really uncomfortable truth is that whoever or whatever is in front of you in that moment, including yourself, stops mattering when your attention leaves the present moment. Your connection to the present moment is no longer a priority to you. It's no longer important to you. Your past and your imagined scenarios about the future are more important than the people, places, or things that you are currently with. And a lot of past and future thinking is habitual. It's a habit. The way that we think is a habit, which is why we have a whole entire chapter in the story dedicated to habits. When people think about habits, they think of things like biting your nails or exercising, right? But the way that you think is a habit. And repatterning, reprogramming the way that you think is a really key component in creating more connection in the present moment. We also have an entire chapter dedicated to building self-esteem and building self-love through different mindfulness and meditation practices. Since mindfulness is the backbone of my coaching modalities, present practices are really woven through the all 12 chapters that are included in the Stepmom Story program. And in addition to those 12 chapters and the guest experts that we have every month, we also have a group coaching call every single month. So connection to the present, coming into the present, coming into the real problem that's right here, right now with you is really emphasized in those monthly coaching calls in the way that I support our community is to come here, right? Come into this moment. We'll work it out here. And the final S in the steps is probably what most of you came here to the Uplifted series in search of. This is the stuff that people mean when they say, teach me how to blend my step family. 
Brittany, I want you to teach me how to blend my stuff family. This is the stuff that they mean, this last S, okay? Most of you, when you came here, probably didn't expect me to tell you that you had work to do before it was time to set out to solve your stuff family problems. I know I sure didn't look in the mirror, right? When I started looking for answers, the last place I wanted to look was at myself. I'll tell you that for free. (laughs) But my husband's one-liner, wherever you go, you will be there. It really left me no other choice than to do some groundwork. And yes, the step family piece is super critically important. We're not going to be able to blend a step family without digging into the step family dynamics themselves. But for us as stepmoms, it cannot, 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 I repeat, cannot be the first piece of the puzzle. And I'm going to wager a bet that a lot of you probably tried to get right into the step family stuff. You probably tried to solve for those step family problems right away. But it probably didn't work out, right? The rules you want to see implemented, the boundaries, the bedtimes, the division of labor, when the phone calls should be allowed, the holiday schedules, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because when stepmoms come in, since we don't have all this history with the kids and the ex or the exes, we're immediately attuned to all the problems, right? It's like we have this whole other perspective and we're like, whoa, what is happening? (laughs) What is happening here? But have you ever like started it or have you ever like worked in a job, worked in an office, worked somewhere where a new person came in, a new hire came in, right? And this new person comes in, guns blazing, and they want to switch everything in the office around because of whatever reason. Like, screw off, Fred. I want to keep the coffee pot right there. Thank you very much. Like, who are you coming in here and trying to move my coffee pot? I don't even know who you are. We have it there for a good reason. Leave it right where it is, right? I'm not saying that you're not allowed to want things to change. You totally, 100%, absolutely are 100% allowed to want things to change. All I'm saying is that it cannot be the first step. And if you are being met with resistance by your spouse or resistant resistance from the kids or resistance from the ex or the in-laws, then you have probably skipped some steps and that's okay. You didn't know. You've been lied to. It's not your fault. Okay. You didn't know there's groundwork to be done. You had good intentions. There's not a doubt in my mind that you had the best of intentions for everybody. And I see that and I honor you for that. So the earlier that you get this self-awareness groundwork laid, the quicker you get to get to the step family stuff, the quicker you get to move the coffee butt, okay? And I can't remember where I heard this, but there's this quote coming to me right now, that connection always has to come before correction. There's another nugget for your treasure chest. 
Connection always has to come before correction. And if you're like most stepmoms who end up working with me, you might notice that once you get some groundwork laid, you organically begin to ask yourself questions like, how can you start to mend these relationships that you have with your stepkids? Or what are the boundaries you need to put in place that support you and support your best interests? And because of that, because of the way that this sort of introspection starts to develop organically and affect the way that you think, you might start to find that a lot of the step family stuff that used to seem like a really big deal isn't really that big of a deal anymore, right? It's not going to happen to everything. And of course, there's still big stuff that's going to need to be dealt with. But when you see things from a different vantage point and you've started to spend more time connected to the present moment and you've gotten in touch with a bunch of compassion and grace with your emotional body, You've learned to decipher between facts and the stories that you tell yourself, the forks and the dingle hoppers. Once this groundwork is laid, that's when it's time to start taking a look at how can you intentionally bring more intimacy into your marriage in a way that sets you up for the long term? How do you protect against this two and three divorce rate that step families fail? 75% in third marriages. How can you repair the damage that's been created between you and your spouse probably over the years? Either because of all the times that you pretended you were okay when you were not, and now you've got a big festering resentment wound to to navigate, or all the times that you picked fights with your spouse because you didn't have emotional freedom and you didn't know how to process what was happening in your step life and you didn't know what to do. Again, not your fault. Once this self-awareness starts developing, Once you've begun to open up some more space for everyone else's experiences to also exist alongside yours, that's when it's time to start looking at things like, how do you divide household responsibilities more fairly? What about discipline? What about consequences? What about changes to visitation schedules? What about adding an hours baby? What about that dream home or that vacation? Whatever this next milestone is for you. The key to a peaceful blend is healthy relationships. And it's probably nearly impossible to have healthy relationships without things like mindfulness, without things like understanding your thoughts, without understanding your feelings and understanding what to do with them, without being present, without someone there helping you through the stuff that's going to hang you up. It's inevitable that you're going to get hung up in this work because you can't see what you don't know what to look for. You cannot possibly hold yourself to a standard of personal responsibility and accountability when your blind spots are blind for a reason. You can't possibly recognize when you have certain unhelpful patterns of thought or patterns of emotional reaction Because if you saw them as being as unhelpful as they were, you probably would have changed them already. You're still getting too big of a benefit from them. Otherwise, you would have changed them. So in this final pillar in the steps, the step family specific sort of support, this is where we'd finally start to get into things like resentment, 
We start to get into things like having you explore why you're giving more than you're getting in your step family relationships. Like a lot of stepmoms who feel that they're contributing way more to the household than they want to be and then getting no appreciation in return. We'd start to look at that then, right? This is when we start to take a look at things like, why are you the one who's always making the effort with your spouse to connect and you're not getting a whole lot back in return? And how can we turn that around? Right? So chapter 10 is a workshop, a bonus workshop that I've installed right into the curriculum of the story that will teach you step-by-step formulas for creating and upholding healthy boundaries right? A lot of these issues in set families come from boundary muck, boundary mismatches, unclear boundaries, poorly set boundaries, non-existent boundaries. And then chapter 11 in the story works through common issues specific to step parenting, right? Like how can you step parent without overstepping? How can you connect with kids that you don't feel connected to? etc. And then chapter 12, last but not least, is when you start to work on things like communication and connection with your spouse. And I'll tell you right now, it's no coincidence that the step family specific stuff, the relationship chapters, the connection chapters are the last four chapters that you work through inside the program. So I'm not saying you can't get into the step family stuff. You will right? It just can't be the problem you're trying to solve for first. It rarely works and it almost never works well to go for the step family stuff first. So now that you have all this new information and now that you know exactly what it's going to take to get more peace and more happiness and more connection and more fulfillment in your step family relationships and beyond, What are you going to do with this information? Are you going to be the type of stepmom who's been handed the keys to her happily ever after life, but chooses to do nothing with them? Or are you going to be the stepmom who takes a deep breath, acknowledges the fear of going on this new journey and says, I'm ready? Inside the story, I just hand you the exact steps to take so that you can one, Get thoroughly and explicitly clear on the specifics of what happily blended means to you, of what your most authentic and your most aligned life would look like, and two, help you work through whatever is currently getting in the way of that. What is currently interfering with and preventing this perfect, excellent, wonderful, beautiful life from happening for you? Why hasn't it happened yet, right? What is the stuff that is preventing that from happening? What are the root causes that is preventing this from happening? Your stepmom story gives you the tools to peel back onion layer after onion layer after onion layer so you can start solving these problems from the root causes up. Rather than running around playing this exhausting treadmill game just trying to put out fires every time they pop up. It's exhausting, And this isn't like a gimmicky one size all fits or one size fits all program, 
with like bad advice. Like, well, this is the way life is now. (laughs) You signed up for this. Sorry, it's going to suck. Deal with it. This is a blueprint. This is a blueprint for your whole life. Blended and beyond. Everything from rebuilding self-esteem, which is usually a casualty of blended family dynamics, to uncovering the links between your own upbringing and the way that that's playing into your current relationships, to defining, maybe for the first time ever, your own set of personal boundaries that have been created for you by you in order to create a sense of safety and security and inner peace and happiness. Instead of wishing and waiting for your step family to just blend on its own, right? That's like one of the worst pieces of advice that's out there for stepmoms is like, just give it more time. You need support up to the time that you give it more time. Yes, time helps. But if you are not putting your time into the solution, you are putting your time into the problems. And instead of just wishing and waiting for your step family to blend on its own and hoping that if you give it enough time that maybe this stuff will sort itself out, you actually can get the wheels in motion right now. Our current members have said it better than I ever could, right? Like Sarah Gale says, there's no other community like ours. Nothing compares to the story. We have a real group of women who want to be happy, who want to do the work. We've got 60 gals in there now. They want to be happy. They want to do the work. They want to become the best versions of themselves. Plus the fact that it's a lifetime subscription means we all get to be here for each other. Sarah says, whether you are a stepmom or not, she believes that the tools that you get in the program can help you. Whether you're hanging on by a thread as a stepmom or your stepfamily life is a little bit of a shit show, either way, the story will help you. Or like another one of our members, Krista Confer, she went from feeling resentful toward her stepson's mom, her stepson, her husband. She said she felt like she had no place in her family. Like she was unappreciated, like she was not valued. And since going through the story, she can think through situations without letting them ruin her evening, without turning in everything into a fight with her husband. Or like our friend Lisa. Lisa was on the podcast, right? She talks about how she used to overgive and feel underappreciated by everybody in her step family. She constantly felt hurt. She constantly felt like she had no control over her own life. Like who's ever felt like that? Like you're a passenger in your life. Like life is just happening around you. And Lisa joined the story because she said she wanted more guidance. She wanted more direction. And she found that in the story. You know, she learned to find the how. She learned to find the why underneath the hardships. And like our friends, Christy and Amanda, They've conquered their stepfamily-related anxiety through the tools you gain in this program. Like, imagine what it feels like not to live under this crushing weight of anxiety all the time. The stepmom story will change your life if you let it. It will change your life if you let it. 
So in just a few short days, we're going to be opening enrollment to the story. We only open up twice a year. Might, I might be moving that to once a year actually after this. So if you're still listening to the words coming out of my mouth right now, then we both know it's because you know in your heart of hearts that joining our community is this lifeboat that you've been waiting for. And I want to know, are you going to be the type of stepmom who gets in the bloody lifeboat? Or are you going to be the type of stepmom to see how much longer you can tread water in the dark ocean by yourself, trying to figure out how you can get to shore on your own and waiting for another lifeboat to come by? So if you are the stepmom who's ready to jump in with us, I want you to know that I and certainly all of your newest stepmom besties inside of our community are going to be super excited to walk alongside you on your journey of self-discovery and personal growth. I can't wait to welcome you into our group, to help support you in dreaming into a future, watching that future come true. So keep your eyes out for another video from me within the next few days where I'll give you all the details about the program, including whether or not you're a right fit. This work is not for everybody. My goal is not to have as many people as possible join us. It's to have the right people join us. We have an amazing community and I will die to protect it because we have a very specific type of person in there. We have a very amazing community, a very positive community. So I hope that you have taken a ton away from the Uplifted Stepmom series. I hope it's impacted you. I hope it's influenced you in ways that have you believing that the life that you want is so, 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 so possible for you. All you need is a tiny, 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 tiny little spark of hope. Consider the impact that this way of living can have on your life. When you finally put your own happiness front and center. When you create the space for your most expanded sense of being, your most intimate partnership, your most authentic, your most aligned relationships. And if you were to say no to this opportunity, right? If you were to make the mistake that many have made before you and keep trying to make it on your own, after the excitement of what you learned here has faded, right? and life goes back to life as you know it, what will end up changing? I've seen some stepmoms participate in this series over and over and over and over and not join the story. And each time they come back, they're a little bit or a lot worse than they were the time before. Because if you're not working toward a solution, you are working toward more problems. But if you embrace this opportunity, you embodied this self-aware stepmom, you said, I am a self-aware stepmom, right? I am a self-aware stepmom. What do you imagine your life could look like in 12 months from now? If you finally had the tools, you finally had the support, you finally had the accountability, you finally had the community, you finally had the coaching, to help you create the life that you know you deserve, that keeps you awake at night thinking about it, 
What does that look like? So if you want to be one of the first people notified when we open enrollment, uh, just head to the all access page. It's linked, I think, in this video description and tap the link at the top to get onto our wait list. And after you do, I want you to send me a message either here or on Instagram at the Step Queen. Let me know that you got onto the wait list. And I want to know what you imagine your life to look like 12 months after you join us. So get on the wait list, send me a message and tell me, this is what you see your life looking like 12 months from now. I want to hear all about it. It's been such a pleasure. It's been such an honor to host this event for you. I hope that you learned a ton. I hope that you have a ton to think about. And most of all, I hope that today marks the day for you that you begin to lay this foundation for the most magical and beautiful life that you ever dreamt was possible for you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here over this last little bit. I'll see you in the group a little bit later. I'll see you next week. Be sure to take advantage of this group while it is still open. A lot of stepmoms are surprised to find out that the content is not available forever and this group shuts down. Okay, so take advantage of it while you can. Good night. Thank you so much. Have a great evening. Stepmoms rock.